If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, here we go. Watching Fox News. I hadn't seen this this morning. Looked up on the screen. (laughs) Folks, I tell you what. Trump's at the national championship game last night. By the way, congratulations to LSU, Louisiana State University, winning the college football national championship. There's tweets this morning about Vince Vaughn, the audacity of Vince Vaughn, actually, to shake President Trump's hand, sit beside him and Melania. I'm looking at it right now. He's talking. He's talking with President Trump. And sh- there's the handshake. Yep. Actually, Trump Trump grabs his hand, kind of pats it with the other. The audacity of this. Vince Vaughn taking flack on social media for this. I tell you what, we've got him. Insane. Insane world out there uh, where this sort of thing matters. It reminds me of the situation with Ellen DeGeneres, who was uh, sitting with George W. Bush in the what the owner suite at the Cowboys football game some time ago this this season. She took flack for that, and we played what she said at the conclusion, uh, well, the next day or whatever on her show about that. Anyway, welcome to the program. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email. As always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash ToddHuffShow, should you want to watch the program live and, or I should say on demand, and why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? You could see this face for radio behind the the scenes here. But speaking of the national championship game, I got to tell you, the left, they, they have to despise this. Of course, you know today's radical, radical leftists, they don't like, they don't like a lot of America. They just, they don't. It's uh, it's unfortunate and sad to say. So Trump, as I already mentioned, was on uh, was at the game with Melania last night, and this game was at the what is it Mercedes Benz Superdome in New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana, and walks out onto the field. I think right before the national anthem. I'm not entirely sure. I didn't watch. You know, I can't watch these things. Because I don't think this went over until 12.15. I caught a little bit of it. Caught a little bit of this game, but I didn't catch the whole thing. Have a friend that literally thinks he can pick the champion, um, and he'll switch his picks during the game. <laughs> but I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did see some of it. But at the beginning of the game, the left has to hate this. I mean, despise this. Because when Trump walks out onto the field... This is what this is what you hear in the crowd. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Let's see if I get this baby cute. Yeah, Trump's walking out clapping right now. 
Just like grabs Melania by the hand. They're walking side by side. This has to upset the media too. These are cheers. He's still walking down the sideline. Waving to the crowd, clapping, waving, turning, clapping, standing beside Melania. She's waving. Those aren't jet engines in the background. Those are cheers from the, the crowd. And New Orleans, by the way, still cheering. Now they're walking on the field. Listen, the cheers pick up here as he walks onto the field. There we go. I'm not adjusting the volume. That's just the crowd. And now they get in place, which I believe this is for the national anthem. So, anyway, that's... Uh, not a good thing. Now, we got a Democrat debate tonight, which I hope to talk about in uh, a little bit later today as the program comes together. But I just wanted to start with that. <laughs> There's never never a dull moment, of course. Vince Vaughn cannot talk with President Trump without getting hated on social media. Trump walks out onto the field, gets cheered. Now, according to the Washington Examiner, I did not hear this, but chants of USA could also be heard. This, of course, is not good news, especially heading. We're now in 2020. We're no longer saying heading into an election year. This is an election year. President Trump walks out onto the field, is cheered. Now you could say, well, these are, these are college football fans from the South. These are people who are inherently racist, right? This is some of the stuff that you hear from the media. But this is not. this shouldn't happen. With the amount of negative press coverage that President Trump gets, what, 90 93%, I think I saw yesterday on network news. 93%. How is that even possible? Well, some would say because Trump is actually 100% evil. They're surprised that he's getting 7% good, uh, good coverage, positive coverage. But anyway, I wanted to start off the top a little bit about the football game, especially uh, as it pertains to Trump. I'm walking out onto the field with Melania because this sort of thing. It doesn't bode well for the left. It doesn't bode well for the media. This is not supposed to happen. They've invested four years or whatever it is towards hating this man, towards negative coverage, towards impeaching him, towards trying to say he was stealing the election from Hillary Clinton in 2016. And this is – the Teflon Don, that's, that's where this uh, the, the, the name comes from, the nickname comes from. But I want to – put that aside for now, but it is something that may come back up as we talk about the rest of the program, especially as we as we look at the Democrat debate stage, which there is a debate tonight. You may not even be aware of that, and I don't blame you if you aren't because you probably don't spend uh, your time watching this insanity on television, but we'll talk about that and maybe juxtapose this uh, this fandom here towards Trump. Um, the cheers for Trump against what we're dealing with on the Democrat debate stage. And there's no wonder the left is getting a little bit antsy, a little bit nervous, maybe a lot nervous, moving into the 2020 election. But I want to move back to what we had been talking about yesterday and on Friday because there was something else I wanted to get to pertaining to Iran, and I didn't, I wasn't able to get to it. And I think it's important. I think it's an important point. Um, of differentiation. I think it's a, an important point of understanding some key differences uh, between today's radical left and true, genuine protest of an oppressed people in, say, the nation of Iran. 
course, we've we talked about the Soleimani. We've talked. We're not going to go back into that, but we're going to talk about the, uh, the the protests in Iran, the uprising, if you will, in Iran. And I had mentioned, in fact, I told my wife this um, a day or two ago. I think it was. I think it was Sunday. It may have been Saturday. I don't know. And there's an article in Fox News that kind of echoes what I was what I was saying. And I said, look, since 1979, since the Islamic Republic of Iran became established, since the Ayatollahs took control, since they became effectively a nation that implemented Sharia law, since they became a full uh, full blown theocracy, an Islamic Republic, and they've oppressed their people tremendously. They've been threatening the West. They've been engaged in sponsoring terrorism. They've been engaged in all sorts of nefarious activities. You'll ask them. In fact, they, you'll hear them say this, that they are at war with the United States of America. In their minds, we are, of course, the great Satan. Israel is the little Satan. But that's the leaders. These are the folks who are in charge. These are the folks who are making the decisions. They are, of course, heavy-handed. They are brutal. They are candidly the antithesis of the United States of America. They are the antithesis of freedom. They are the antithesis, in my estimation, of how we're truly meant to live on this planet, this side of heaven. I believe that these things are accurate and you know true. And so I made the comment to my wife that in the history of the Islamic Republic of Iran, which is just, what, 41 years now, 41 years, I, I, I had mentioned that, you know, the idea that the people can effectively change their government and get dramatic changes, maybe even, who knows, possibly even overthrow this maniacal, uh, heavy-handed regime. This is, I think, if not the best time in 41 years it's certainly very close to the top, and I would go as far to say the best time. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, there's a movement inside of Iran. I don't know if I mentioned this yesterday, but I uh, was talking with my with my brother, and he had made asked me if I'd seen some documentary um, about well, Christianity inside inside of Iran, the, the church. Iran has the fastest growing church in the world, the nation of Iran. I'm looking at this this article, godreports.com. Fastest growing church has no buildings, no central leadership, and is mostly led by women. And it's about the church here, well, not here, but here in this article in, in, in Iran. And so um, there's a movement. And if you read what these church leaders are saying, of course, they can't let you know who they are because there are consequences for this. These folks would be, in fact, if you read what they said would happen to them, the documentary, by the way, is called Sheep Among Wolves. I have not seen this yet, but I've read this article, which I'll go ahead and post to Facebook here in just a minute. But, but I want to read what one of these church leaders is, uh, Christian church leaders is saying is happening inside of the Islamic Republic of Iran. This is what he or she says. It doesn't even tell us uh, their gender because this is uh, serious business. This this is real oppression, by the way, right, in the nation of Iran. This individual says, what if I told you, speaking inside of 
inside of Iran? What if I told you Islam is dead? What if I told you the mosques are empty inside Iran? What if I told you no one follows Iran, excuse me, Islam inside of Iran? Would you believe me? This is exactly what is happening inside of Iran. God is moving powerfully inside of Iran. And then she says, what if I, or he or she, I don't know, says, what if I told you the best evangelist for Jesus was the Ayatollah Khomeini? After 40 years under Islamic law, a utopia, according to them, they've had the worst devastation in the five years, or excuse me, 5,000 year history of Iran. So according to insiders, there's this sort of movement taking, taking place inside of Iran. So you've got an Islamic republic that rules with an iron fist that believes that if you do not – and look, I'm a believer in free religion. If you choose to be Islamic, and I'm not talking about strap on you know, the, the, the radical Islamic terrorist faction. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about choosing your own religion. That's what it means to be, to be free. If you choose to be atheist, that's your choice. I think that's a bad choice, and I might try to persuade, but you don't have to listen. You can say I'm wrong or stupid or a hillseed hick or – a hayseed hick, I should say, whatever the case may be. But to be forced, they're forced in Iran into being, to following Sharia law, to being, to being Muslim. It's also, by the way, a bad thing to force people to be Christian. Force is not a good thing. Force is not a moral quality that we should be seeking to achieve or attain. That's why the true gospel is a choice. Choose for yourselves this day, the Bible says, whom you will serve. And so there's this force, but what the church is telling us, church leaders, are that inside of Iran, that's not happening. So the Islamic Republic of Iran, which is ruled by those who want to institute hardcore Sharia, believe as we tell you, or else, or else you may be punished, murdered, tortured, all sorts of, they're incredibly harsh consequences for individuals who don't toe the the line in Iran. And so there's there's a there's a void. There there it's it's this leader saying it's 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 all a um it's a bit of a ruse in a sense. What's actually happening on the ground isn't what the leaders are portraying, isn't what the leaders are insisting. So you got that factor as number one, and there's a couple of others um, as far as this being a time where the Iranian people may actually be able to get traction. You see the protests in Tehran, outside of Tehran. You see them doing this. They're rising up. You've got a president of the United States that's actually encouraging them, telling them via Twitter in Farsi, which he, of course, got some criticism for this, but he's tweeting in Farsi, telling them that you know he loves and supports the people of Iran. So there's that encouragement from an outsider president. You'll remember back in 2000, I don't know, I don't know what the year was, but when President Obama was, uh, there was a bit of an uprising in Iran at one point, and he didn't really take the opportunity to embrace the people and to, to stand by them. Trump is doing that. So there's a, a need inside of Iran, a yearning, a deep yearning. The human heart is created to be free, folks. This is not natural conditions under which humanity is designed to live. 
Again, choose your own religion, do as you will of your own volition and choice, but to be forced, to be forced day in and day out, to choose to, well, to not choose, to be forced to do something against your will, against your conscience, against your freedoms, against your liberty. That's what we're dealing with. And that that has an effect on people. And when they see signs and opportunities for them to change that, which Trump is a factor of that, make no mistake about it. Trump is a factor. They see him as one who's going to be, you know, standing on the side of of liberty, standing against the evil that they're experiencing each and every day in that regime. That plus what's going on, which I mentioned here, which I'll post this to our Facebook page in just a moment. But I've got to take a break really long in this first segment. When I get back, I want to take this conversation and, and, and move it to a direction where we compare. We compare the protest, the angst inside the Islamic Republic of Iran with the protest that we see in the United States of America. I want to compare and contrast that in the next segment, and then we'll talk about uh, the Democrat debates and those sorts of things uh, in the balance of the program. But I've got to take a time out a little bit long in this segment. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk, where, yes, listening to this program can, in fact, cause you to lean to the right. So be careful this morning if you're operating heavy machinery or driving a vehicle down the road. You may, in fact, be veering to the right. Pay close attention. Be back in just a minute. Welcome back. Been talking about Iran in particular, not just uh, as we talked in the past couple of days about Soleimani, uh, some geopolitical issues and so forth. We've been talking specifically today on some things that are happening inside, inside of Iran with the people, the growth of the church, uh, the opposition to those who are really in positions of leadership, the type of government. Again, the people of Iran are not the problem. I mean, there are some, of course, some that are out there chanting death to America, death to Israel. But the main problem, by and uh, by far and away, are the leaders, the system of government, and the um, their opposition to liberty, right? This is the problem inside of the Islamic Republic of Iran. So I want to compare and contrast because we see the people of Iran rising up. We see them rising up to uh, basically to break free from the system of government that they're under, the heavy-handed, immoral activities of their of their leaders, the way that they've been treated, the way that they've been persecuted, the evil that they're subjected to on a regular basis. And so they rise up. They rise up in protest. They rise up and have uh, make their opinions known that they want the ayatollahs to to resign, to step aside, because in this particular instance in recent history, how they shot down this Ukrainian jetliner. So, as conservatives which I know most of you are conservatives. And look, I welcome no matter who you are to this audience. I don't care. I do care. That's not the right way to say this. I do care if you're a lover of big government, a liberal, a socialist, an anarchist, or whatever else. People listen from all different political spectrums. I hope to persuade you to the concept of constitutional conservatism, limited government, 
liberty, and the like, the things that this great nation was founded upon. But I welcome you to the program. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me when we're in an, an age where we say we want to persuade, we say we want to impact and influence the thinking of others who think differently than us on key issues like this. But oftentimes people resort to screaming or they go into their own proverbial echo chamber where everyone there agrees and nods and so forth, which that's okay, I guess, in some sense, especially if you're trying to teach people some some fundamentals about the ideology, trying to inspire people, motivate people, help them to uh, see things through the lens that's, that's, I don't know, optimistic and helpful, all that's fine. But if we want to persuade others, it's it's bizarre to me how this uh, how some people go about doing that. They don't really want to persuade. They want you to basically be beaten into submission to thinking that their ideas are better, and that's just not the way that that it works. In fact, that's really what the Islamic Republic of Iran is founded upon. And so we got the Iranian people rising up. And as I've thought a little bit about this, I've thought, you know, we're used to protests here in this country, but as conservatives, and that's what I was going to say here. You, you're probably not people who protest. You might go to a, I don't know, an NRA rally, a Second Amendment sort of uh, gathering. You might go to a Tea Party rally or some such thing where you associate with other people. But those things are really rallies. They're not really protests. You're not really taking up signs and marching on the Capitol. I don't know. And I'm not, there's nothing wrong. You have the constitutional right to petition your government for a redress of grievances, to make them aware of things that aren't proper, correct, the things that you don't like, the things that are infringing really upon your rights, freedoms, and so forth. You have a right to, to go to the government and do that. So I'm not knocking that, but I'm saying typically that's not the route that conservatives take. But we see lots of people protesting in this country, especially in the early days after Trump became president. I know that still sends uh, chills down the spine of liberals today. So if you're a liberal listening, I, I don't apologize, but take uh, take refuge in the fact that this is radio safe space. So you can you can scream at the heavens there in your car if you need to. You can let out a cry or whatever the case may be. It'll be okay. But um, we're used to protest here in this great nation, right? We, we've seen people protest. We've seen Antifa. We've seen... Uh, the women's groups where they wear the the hats that they think are just so clever and all this sort of stuff. And I just think comparing and contrasting, there's a dramatic, dramatic difference between rising up be- to to break free from the bondage and the oppression of your government, which is what the Iranians are doing. It's what the Iranians are doing. There's something much different between rising up and say, I want to maintain my right to free speech. I want to maintain my right to have you know free freedom of, of religion. I want to make sure that we have the freedoms that are afforded us that are enumerated in the Constitution. I want to make sure that the government is not taking away my choices, my opportunities, and my freedoms versus – the protests today, largely in this country, are people gathering. And I'll go back. This might get me in trouble. But I'll go back here in Indianapolis. And again, no problem with, with teachers wanting to get 
paid more. I mean, this is a human, this is what we all want to get paid more in all this. But a lot of these things that, that take the form of protest today are really a list of demands that are made upon people, on other people. So it's not, it's not, hey, you know, I protest someone kind of metaphorically uh, strangling out my freedoms or uh, suffocating my opportunity to live my life freely, to make my own choices, to do as, as, as I feel compelled to do. And I get, you know, there can't be, there has to be some parameters if it's affecting the life, liberty, property of someone else. But these are the exceptions, right? By and large, get out of my way. Let us live our lives as we so choose. But that's not the form of protest that we see taking shape oftentimes. I'm not going to say all the time because sometimes it is the case. But when the radical left gets involved, it's usually protesting and saying the government needs to do something else for me. The government needs to take something from someone else and pay so that I can have whatever it is, free education, free health care. Take, I mean, there's any number of things that this could be. I've been to a Bernie Sanders rally. Yes, you've heard that correctly. It was by happen chance back in 2000 and I think early 2016. He came when he was still in the, in the race against Hillary to Indianapolis. It was an impromptu thing for me. I, I didn't know they were going to be there. I was attending another meeting, and I parked in this parking garage. I looked off the edge of the parking garage because we were right downtown by the state house in Indianapolis, and I looked over, and I thought, well, there's a political rally. And I looked at the person talking, and it was a uh, an old white guy, which, of course, back then the Democrats ran four old white guys in a Clinton, the party of diversity. So I knew it was a Democrat rally, and I looked closer, and it was Bernie. And I thought, well, I've got to go down here and see this. And I went down there and I listened, and it was really a list of things the government should be doing for us, a list of things. So the protest, the angst, the anxiety, the anger that was represented in that crowd that day wasn't because they were trying to break free from the oppression of their government as the Iranian people are. No, no, no. They were demanding more from their government. They were demanding, whether they understood it or not, for the government to take away the liberties and freedom of someone else to take away their money, their property, to then give to them in that crowd or whoever they're protesting for, so to speak, so that they could have something else at the expense of another quote-unquote free individual, free American living here in this country. And I feel it's important to differentiate between those things because protest is, a, is, a, is something we should be able to do. But the rationale... The reasoning behind the protests are not equal. Someone who used protests to say, I demand someone else give me something. And in the case of the Iranian people, they're basically saying, stop oppressing us. Let us live our lives. Let us, if we choose, be Christian. Let us, if we choose, be atheists. Let us, if we choose, be whatever we want. Don't continue to keep us locked down, burdened, under your heavy-handed oppression. We don't like it. That no human does, folks. Doesn't matter where they're from, any of these things. The, the natural state, I'm getting waved at over here by Oz, and, and she's correct. It's time to take a break. But the natural desire is for the heart of mankind, men and women, to, we yearn, we long to be free. And that's what we're seeing. And there's a big difference between that and what we see on the radical left. I think that's quite important. But I've got to take a break. 
When we get back, I want to shift gears and get into the Democrat debate, the primary process, but got to take that time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Wrapping up our conversation about Iran, which of course could be something that continues to uh, dominate themes or portions of this program. And we don't have themes. I sit down and we prepare what we're going to talk about. I don't try to weave these things together in a way that's uh, unnatural or forced. But there are there are definite similarities or connections between between issues. And I, by the way, I posted on our Facebook page two things, that, that story about the, the growth of the church inside of Iran and an article of a Muslim scholar who uh, talks about how this regime, this evil, maniacal, heavy-handed regime, the Ayatollahs in Iran, had never been under more, I guess, pressure, stress, threat uh, since their founding, since they took over in 1970. That's in 1979. So if you want to read those, that's fantastic. But I want to shift and have our discussion focus a little bit now on uh, the the, the pol- politics, today's political dialogues, the narrative. We're ramping up for the Iowa caucus, which happens here on February 3rd. After Iowa, we then go to – where do we go next? We go to New Hampshire. Then we go to Nevada, which Trump says the correct way to say is Nevada. So uh, that's another uh, caucus in in February. Uh, then we go to South Carolina, which is of course home to Clemson University, who was cheering for President Trump last night in that stadium, Mercedes Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. Which uh, I, I always like watching when the the media has to go to South Carolina. They just they 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 really can't they can't really hide their. <clears throat> Their disdain for the South, in um, in some ways, and so they, they'll go to the to South Carolina, and then Super Tuesday, which Super Tuesday I don't have the number in front of me, but there's a, a, a many primaries and caucuses on Super Tuesday, um, and that may be the that's the point at which Bloomberg's going to enter the race. So we've got Spartacus, Corey Spartacus, Senator Spartacus, out of the race. Dropping out. Excuse me. He's put his. Uh, he suspended his campaign, uh, but this has been predictable for some time. So Spartacus is out. You have some that aren't even technically in yet. Bloomberg. I saw Bloomberg ran an ad last night during the national championship game. I didn't have the volume on. I had it turned down at the moment. But from what I could tell, it was kind of a bad ad from my in my estimation. But anyway. So all these things are lining up. We've got the Democrat debate tonight. They'll take to the to the debate stage. They'll debate socialism. They'll tell us how many more freebies they're going to give the American people. Of course, they don't. They don't explain that the freebies come at the expense of someone else. They don't explain that that's in fact really the antithesis of liberty. They want to trick you. They want to trick you into believing for someone to be free, someone else has to not be free to pay for their freedom to pay for them to metaphorically have whatever it is that keeps them in their minds from being free. But that, of course, is uh, is a perversion of what true freedom true freedom is. 
So we'll get into that, and I'm short this segment because, of course, I was long-winded in the previous two, so i got to take a quick time out. Oz has informed me that uh, being the one that keeps me on track is a bit challenging here inside the, the studio. So I'm going to take a time out. When we get back, I want to talk primary. I want to talk debate. I want to talk just um, the, 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 the landscape for Democrats in 2020. And I mentioned... When I played the clip off the top of Trump being cheered, Trump and Melania being cheered as they walked down to the field during the or before the national anthem of last night's college football championship game, I mentioned that I want to comp- because that that make no mistake, having the president cheered on national TV on something that draws as many viewers as that that upsets the left. They don't like that. That's why they invest ninety three percent of their time on network news making sure that Trump has negative coverage and so forth. So we're going to talk about these things, compare the, the, just the landscape, the narrative, the, the momentum, and really why I think it's a really bad time to be, to be a Democrat. But we'll talk about those things when we return. You're listening to the home of conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just eight minutes. Welcome back. So I mentioned, I mentioned off the top, mentioned off the top that there is a Democrat debate tonight. You may not be aware of this, and I can't blame you because I honestly try to ignore this reality too. Because anytime I think about today's Democrat Party, when I look up there on the debate stage and see that it's a what a race to be the biggest socialist, a race to being the one who gives away the most goodies to the constituents, in effect, buying their votes. I mean, we had Andrew Yang effectively up there, really telling people, vote for me and I'll give you, what is it, a thousand bucks a month or some such number? Income, what do they call this? Guaranteed income? I don't even know what they call these things. It's it's, uh, it's hard to keep track of all their giveaways and, and so forth. I will say this. Oh, and do not misconstrue this because I'm not supporting this at all. But it is better, even the great economists um, – I'm drawing a blank here. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, he, he – uh, I, I, the name totally escapes me. I wasn't planning to talk about him this morning. But even some great libertarian conservative economists will tell you that the benefit of, of giving – you know of, of having money that's – not earmarked is at least better for the person than having a bureaucracy that's managing every detail of an expense. And I know you've got the problems of, of um, you know, trying to make sure people aren't using that money for drugs. I get all that sort of stuff, but at least then people could use it where they needed it in theory. Anyhow, um, boy, the name of the economist will come to me in a moment. But the point is, is that all these things are, are bad, and it's a race to give away the most. Back in 2016, when Bernie was the only Bernie on stage, not not 100%. I mean, I know we had uh, a couple that never had a chance, Lincoln Chafee, Jim Webb. Of course, we had Hillary Clinton. um, And of course, my personal favorite, sexy, sexy, sexy Martin O'Malley up there on stage waiting to rip his shirt off to get the only attention he ever got on Twitter, on social media during that campaign. But Bernie was the only Bernie back then. 
They all, to an extent, wanted more government programs and so forth, but it wasn't a race to the degree that it is now. Today, and you'll hear this if you watch the debate tonight, you know, they, they have plans for everything. My plan for fixing this issue, and they go through the government's you know, top-down approach, how they can micromanage and just solve every problem you've ever conceived of, folks. Every problem you could ever imagine. Pete Buttigieg, uh, Amy Klobuchar... Bernie Sanders, my cousin Liz, Elizabeth Warren, all these folks can tell you without any question or doubt whatsoever that they have a plan, a plan to solve the most minute, the most isolated of problems in your life. Poof, you give them the chance to do that and they will solve it, no questions asked. Andrew Yang, they all have this, I don't even know if he's on, is he on the stage still? The point is, point is, is that that's what we're going to see. And you compare and contrast that. That's not, I understand that that's appealing to people that think, wow, we get goodies. We get freebies. Back in 2016, Bernie was the only Bernie. Now everybody's trying to out Bernie, Bernie. Bernie doesn't even stand out anymore. Bernie's up there saying, when did everybody become Bernie 2016? And they said, since we knew that you really won the nomination and that Hillary Clinton, with the help of her superdelegates, the voters that they put in place, the delegates that they put in place to really correct the will of the people in the Democrat Party because those were the the nobles, the elites in the party could overrule what the actual rank and file wanted. They don't want to pass that decision along to them. But people saw that it was appealing and popular and that there's a growing, growing movement to this. It makes no sense because socialism is morally bankrupt. It, it leads to an equality and in, in terms of people not having enough, not a not more prosperity, it leads to, it leads to our equality and, and poverty and misery. But people continue to clamor for it because it just sounds so good to some folks. So that's what we'll hear tonight. That's what we've heard this entire campaign. That's what we'll continue to hear. Now, when we get to the general, there might be some shifting to try to win the those those valuable moderates, as they say. But Tonight, buckle up for more of the same. Buckle up for more freebies. Uh, your government spending will probably double tonight during the debate. You just never know. So if you don't watch it, fear not. I will summarize for you tomorrow as much as I feel appropriate to do so. But I've got to take a break here, take one more time out before we wrap up for the day. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. Yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. Be back here in just a minute. Doubt me when I say that the Democrats, the Democrat leaders, those that are in positions of power leading the party on the presidential debate stage, those folks are moving towards bigger government, socialism, equality that they think that they can manage. As I've said before, the Democrats on the debate stage aren't even given a fair amount of time to talk. How in the world, if you can't Make sure people have equal time on your debate stage. How in the world can you make the whole economy equal? I looked up here during the break. The governor of New Jersey is trying to institute a millionaire's tax. People are moving to Florida. Oz here in the office. She raised the question of maybe Florida breaking off from the country, reminding me of Hank Johnson worrying about Guam tipping over. Anyway, I got to go, guys. Have a great day. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care.